How is this stock jockey getting such great real estate deals? I mean, seriously, two rental properties for nothing out of pocket. Well, it's because he takes big risk, but in his mind, it's not big risk by the amount of homework he puts into these things before pulling the trigger. I am so happy to talk with and introduce you, possibly introduce, you may already know him, my friend from Millennial Investing, Mr. Robert Leonard. But before I bring Robert in, I want to mention two things. Number one, the power of a mastermind. If you are a parent, if you're a 30 to 40 year old married man or woman, and along with your spouse, y'all have a combined income of more than $100,000 a year, and you want to build multiple streams of income through real estate investing, whether you're just starting out or you want to add more streams of income of real estate investing through your portfolio so that you can be more present both mentally and physically with your spouse and your children. I'm specifically inviting you to grab one of the five spots I'm opening up in the W2 Cap Plus Mastermind. Now, you may be asking, why $100,000 a year? Well, because if you're an active professional and you're a parent, you don't have the bandwidth available to do the things that require for no money down type strategies, right? That you hear about. So that's why that is. The, actually, the cost of the mastermind is relatively inexpensive. Matter of fact, the members of the mastermind tell me constantly how I'm not charging enough for what we the value that's provided there. So jump in, grab one of those five spots that I'm opening up in the W2 Capitalist Mastermind. This, you may be asking yourself, what is the W2 Capitalist Mastermind, right? It is a community of parents who are leaning on each other for advice, motivation, and encouragement to achieve greater financial success through real estate investing. The second thing I want to mention before we get into today's episode with Robert, I want to point you toward our sponsor and my personal agent, Mark Willis. If you've ever taken a minute to total up just how much you pay in financial charges to banks and credit card companies uh, for mortgages, possibly some student loans, if you have your young ones in private school, cars, vacations, et cetera, you name it, you'll see that in your lifetime, this can easily add up to hundreds of thousands or millions, possibly millions of dollars, right? That is money that you could be putting to work for you right now. And you can then pass those earnings to your kids when the time comes, right? There is a strategy that has been around for hundreds of years that the uber rich have used. And guess what? You and I can use it too. Matter of fact, I just started my policy about a year ago. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you a link to connect with Mark for a free 15 minute consultation to discover if what I'm talking about here is called the bank on yourself concept, right? So I'm going to give you a free 15, a link to a free 15 minute consultation to discover if the bank on yourself concept is right for you. All right. And how rude of me. I've been all the way through this, right? And I didn't even introduce myself. What's up, y'all? My name is Jay Helms and I'm the founder of the W2 Capitalist. If you're new here, if this is your first time discovering the W2 Capitalist, we are a resource for 30 to 40 year old married men and women like you who have combined income of more than $100,000 a year. Personally, I want to be the guy that helps you remove the anxiety and stress that comes with financially providing for your family. All right, now that we have all the business out of the way, let's bring our very special guest, Mr. Robert Leonard. W2 Capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat, 
Welcome to the W2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. And how rude of me again. I almost jumped right into the episode without introducing you to Robert and tell you all the amazing stuff he has going on. I feel like I just know him. And when you get to hear in this episode, I feel like you're going to get to it like you already know him. So no introduction is necessary. At least that's my excuse. But let me tell you about Robert. Robert is the VP of growth and innovation at the Investors Podcast Network, podcast host of real estate investing and millennial investing, XW2 accounting and finance professional, as well as a stock and real estate investor. He earned a master's in business administration and master's in, let's just go with MBA, right? I know what that stands for, in accounting and finance and a bachelor's in finance and economics. He's a certified management accountant in what we're going to later find out. He does some, some thrill-seeking uh, adrenaline stuff on the side, right? So without further ado, I think I'm done with being rude today. Let's bring Robert in. Robert, welcome to the show, sir. Jay, thanks so much for having me. And I am I am super stoked. So for those listeners who don't know Robert, we're going to get into who he is and everything about him. But I'm going to brag on, this is a podcast swap. So I was on his podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about it. He's now on mine. This guy puts in so much research into his guest on his podcast. I, I am envious and I'm also a little, uh, what's the word here, uh, embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> because when, when like you and I were just talking, Hey, this is going to be a conversation. I got a couple of questions out of your bio that I want to talk about, but, uh, and we're going to see where the conversation goes. But when you and I were talking, you were like, man, let's, you were bringing up stuff that I didn't think a whole lot of people knew. Cause it's only like in one or two pace, uh, places on my website. And I got to I have to feel like that as part of your nature, right? That's part of who you are, uh, with all the credentialing that you have, uh, all of the jobs that you have before where you've actually sit down and studied this kind of stuff. So when it comes to that, how do you, is this the same way? I, I'm assuming I'm, I'm going to give you a softball here and maybe, maybe it's not. Is this the same way you approach real estate investing? Yeah, I think it is. And I just want to say, Jay, thanks for the kind words. And, you know, let me spin that a little. I have to do that prep. Otherwise, I don't think I can do a good interview. Whereas you, <laughs> you don't need all that prep and you do a good interview. So maybe maybe you're the one that's uh, better uh, off than well, me. I, I, I'm not as smart to come up with the, the questions on the spot there. But but yeah, no, I, I do. I think everything I do in life, it doesn't really matter what it is. I'm very detailed and I'm always prepared. I think I always butcher the quote, but, you know, fail to prepare, be prepared to fail or something along those lines. It's just kind of how yeah. I live, you know, whether it's racing yeah. dirt bikes, sports, real estate, doesn't matter. Everything I do, I approach with, with that mindset. Racing dirt bikes. Is that something you do now? Yeah, I do. Yep. Awesome. Okay. That's probably my biggest passion in life. Really? And I, if I were, if, uh, I should know this, I should know this about you. So let's dive into that. That is very intriguing. So last time I was on a dirt bike, my dad bought it when I was like, uh, maybe 10 or 12, because my dad used to ride a little bit. And uh, of course my mom said, no, right. We're not doing that. Not, not my babies kind of thing. Uh, but my dad bought us a little dirt bike uh, when we were younger. It was a 1970s model Honda's XL 75. Okay. He still has it for some reason, by the way, but tell me, what do you ride, man? What do you do? You, is it competitive or is it just fun for you? Do you compete? What's the deal? Yeah. So that's a little bit of a story and I'll try and give the quick version just so you and the listeners have some color, but basically I entered my first race. I raced quads when I was, that's what I raced growing up. I was four years old, entered my first race. 
And I just, I kind of did pretty well at it. I was, I, I don't know why, I guess it was just my dad raced when he <laughs> was growing up and he got me and my brother into it. And it was just something, I guess I was just naturally gifted with, I guess I was your, pretty good at jeans, it. man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I ended up winning a bunch of local championships and ended up going out to run the national series, which is the biggest series for ATVs. And I ended up winning a bunch of nationals and ended up number two in the country or the world, however you want to look at it for my age group. Uh, my dad and I spent the summer racing across the country, just him and I, you know, road yeah. tripping. And uh, I was probably about 10 years old at the time. And uh, so I got pretty good at it. And I was on, kind of on track to, you know, think about it in like the minor leagues of baseball. Like you have your kids that are like the next pro class, you know, you're coming okay. up and me and a couple of the kids that I would race with, we were like the future of the professional uh, ATV racing. I was about 14 and somebody that was pretty close to my dad passed away racing and mm. their daughter was actually my age. And so I didn't know her super, super well, um, but my dad was really good friends with her dad. So it hit him really hard. And so yeah. right then he made me stop riding and I was like one year out from going pro. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? I had no plan. I had no plans to go to college or nothing. Like my, my family's all blue collar and nobody's ever gone to college. Nobody's ever made an investment. Like I was sponsored by some of the biggest name companies in the world. Like I had no, wow. no backup plan. That was it. That was all I was doing. And so when that was taken out from me, I was like, well, what the heck am I going to do now? And, you know, kind of ended up just stumbling onto Warren Buffett, became super, super passionate about stock investing that led into college, went to college, did the whole, you know, education thing, got my MBA and then got into real estate and took 12 years off or so on a bike. And I realized last year that I'm not getting any younger. And I know that <laughs> if I'm 55, 60, 65, 70, and I look back on my life and I didn't try and didn't ride again to see what I could do, I know I would regret it. So went out, just bought a brand new bike uh, last week and, yeah. uh, been riding again for the last like six months or so actually I have my first race in two weeks so we'll see wow. what i can do okay. and and uh yeah that's kind of my my story keep us posted on how you do man are, are you nervous no not at all no all right so um your dad is he what does he feel like how does he feel about the whole situation he's not super happy about it uh really i mean he's happy about it right because he knows how passionate i am about it but he's nervous you know he's worried yeah back then, like he was nervous and I was on kids bikes. I mean, we were still, I was still hitting like hundred foot jumps. So it was, it was like, I was really legit as a 10 year old, but now I'm on two fifties. Like I ride the big, the biggest bikes you can ride. And you know, we're yeah, doing yeah. 65, 70. And so he, he's worried that I'm going to get hurt. And you know, I'm trying to go bar to bar with some of the fastest guys in the country. So, you know, it's dangerous and he's worried about that, but I think deep down he's excited. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be tough as a, as a father to, uh, go through something like that and then see your kid want to follow in those footsteps. That's, um, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Uh, do you have kids? You I do. Kids? I actually have a two and a half year old son. Okay. All right. So that's, that's so, another reason partially why I wanted to get back into it because he's getting a little bit older and I'm thinking to myself, well, how can I expect him to chase his dreams if I don't even chase mine? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got to do it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. That's, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, working from home, my kids see me all the time and it breaks my heart. They'll come in. Uh, hopefully they know we're recording this. So hopefully they don't come barging in, but they'll come barging in. Daddy, can you play with me right now? Daddy, can you do this video game or whatever with me? And I'm like, I, you know, I, I really want to, but I'm, I'm busy and they walk away defeated. Right. But I'm, I hope that one day they see, or they listen to this one day and, and they're like, okay, dad was working. I get it. He was doing this and he was, providing for us so we can go chase our dreams 
And, you know, we're, I'm already trying to teach them some of the financial aspects, right? Dirt biking uh, is not one of those things where I can say, hey, go chase your dreams. I don't know anything about it. I, I mean, it's just, it's incredible, but I love the connection that you're making um, um, to make sure that your kids know, hey, you got to go after it. You got to go after it. And um, that's, that's super, super incredible. Um, you, you've invested in real estate though, right? So before you started investing, what, what drove you to seek out real estate investing? I actually didn't seek it out at all. I stumbled okay. into it by mistake. So I was, <laughs> I studied real uh, stock investing for probably when I was four. So right when I was 14, when I stopped racing till I was probably about 20, 21 or so. So six or seven years, just huge Warren Buffett guy flown out to yeah. Omaha to go to the annual meetings. Like I was a huge fan and I always thought real estate was interesting, but I never thought that it was something I could do. I was like, these guys that do this are, you know, super wealthy. They have a ton of money. I could never do that. You know, maybe once I make it in the stock world, make all my money that way, then I'll put it into real estate. And that was kind of just, you know, how I operated. So I never thought I could. And then I stumbled into my first deal by mistake. Didn't even realize I was becoming an investor. And then once how, I realized right, hang I on could, a minute. Hang on a minute. How did you stumble into a real estate deal and not realize you were becoming an investor? Were you an accidental landlord or what was it? What was that? Yeah, sort of. So when I went into college, I was 18 and my dad told me, Hey, listen, you know, when you graduate, you start earning a salary and you're living at home, you're going to have to pay some rent. Totally like fair. You know, I, I didn't have any yeah. problem with that. I thought that was realistic, but I just, something inside me was like, I don't want to waste the money on rent. <laughs> and so I told him, I said, I'm going to buy a house and I'm not going to pay you any rent. As soon as I graduate college, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to move out and do that instead of pay you rent. Of course, he thought I was crazy because he didn't own a house till he was probably late thirties or so, maybe even later. And a lot of people in my family were the same way. Yeah. And all my friends, everybody thought I was absolutely crazy. I'm this 18 year old kid. You know, what is he going to do to buy a house? And so I worked nearly full time throughout college to pay for school and also saved up to buy my first house. And sure enough, I bought a condo my senior year of college. I hadn't even walked at my graduation yet, closed on it. And wow. I ended up living there and it was a two bedroom condo and I lived by myself. It was just me. And I realized like a month or two in, I'm like, I've been here for probably a couple months now. I haven't never even opened that second bedroom door. I should, <laughs> I should probably do something with this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I should do something with it. And so I ended up renting out that bedroom and they paid like 750 bucks a month or so for the bedroom. And my mortgage was like a thousand or 1100 all in, including HOA and everything. Yeah. And so I was living for like 250, 300, 400 bucks a month, which is pretty cheap. Yeah. And I said, well, somebody has to have done this before. Like I can't be the first person that's ever done this. Of course I found house hacking, bigger pockets. And you know, I like to say the rest is history yeah. from there. I realized, Hey, yeah. I could do this. There's tons of people doing this that are no, more special than me. If they could do it, I can do it. Started to study it. And uh, here we are today. Do you still invest in stocks? Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you're, if you're listening to this on the, on the, just listening to the audio, you didn't recognize this, but if you're watching this on YouTube, go back and replay this. When I said, are you investing in stocks? Robert's eyebrows went really high. Like he gets excited about stocks. So is, am I reading that correctly? Yeah. I, I'm still super passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons why, especially when we talk real estate is because too often I find real estate investors completely saying like stocks are, are oh, yeah. garbage. Yeah. And I hear that on podcasts all the time. Guilty. <laughs> and and I, I don't really like that because I think maybe it's not the right asset class for you or, or somebody right. who doesn't like stocks, but I think 
for a lot of people, there's place for both in your portfolio. And I think a lot of podcasts just always say stocks are bad. And I I don't necessarily believe that's the case. I think there's room for both. Yeah. My, my personal issue with stocks, um, leading up to last year, I've always bought high and sold low. So that's why, and the only time I've really ever made money is when I buy real estate. Now, last year, I don't really know what happened. Uh, number one, I took a few more risks uh, with my money last year in the stock market and it has paid off so far. I've actually uh, taken that and gotten a lot more patient with, you know, I've always looked at stocks as gambling, right? And, and not really knowing a little about a lot about it. There are a handful of stocks that I've been watching. I've been, I'm so, like, if anybody knows me, they'll be super proud of me because I, I, that that is so arrogant to say. Anyway, I've been patient. Like, I haven't done anything and I've noticed some trends with a couple of them that they'll dip down 20, 30%. There's an event that happens, goes right back up. And I'm like, all right, this has happened enough that on the next time this happens, I'm, I'm jumping in. And uh, is that part of the successful game when it comes to stocks? No, that's not how I invest no. at all. <laughs> I, I would argue, I would argue that that's not investing, and okay. that's that's why I think a lot of real estate investors struggle in the stock market is because they're gambling and they're speculating. They're not investing. Yeah. And if you want to put it in real estate terms, it's not quite a a one to one analogy, but I'd almost say you're flipping, if you will, okay. in the stock market versus buying a long term rental, right? Yeah. So there's a lot more risk with a flip and yet you might yeah. lose money. And the same thing in the stock market. If you buy short term, you try to flip it. Like you're saying, you're, there's a good chance you might lose money. Whereas if you buy long term, it's really hard to lose money on a rental that you buy with good numbers. And it's the same in the stock market. Yeah. I've actually gotten hooked on a, uh, a show recently. Um, I don't get to watch a whole lot of TV, but it's billions where uh, I love that show. Yeah. That's a good show, man. I, I, I actually I, had the, the founder, author, writer of that show on my podcast. Oh, that's, that's incredible. That's, uh, that's awesome. I'm, I am super jealous. Uh, if I wasn't before I am tremendously jealous now that, that that's incredible. All right. So we're talking about risk. We're talking about investing. You know, I almost don't want to ask you this question because I mean, you, you ride dirt back dirt bikes as a passion, as a hobby. I mean, that's, that's risky, right? But what is the, what's the biggest risk you felt like you've ever had to take in accomplishing what you've accomplished to date? Like, what's the one thing you now sit back and look on like, man, that kind of scares me just to think about how risky that was and and the outcome of it was just incredible, but it still scares me to think about. Buying my first ever rental property 2,000 miles away in a city I've I've never been to with a house I've never seen. And yeah, I I would say that that's it. So I'm going to compare that to gambling in the stock market, right? Like what kind of... What kind of due diligence were you able to do to buy a house you've never seen 2000 miles in a market you've never been into, right? What, what kind of due diligence did you have to do on that guy? Well, you gave me a lot of credit at the beginning because you know, I do due diligence. So I would yeah. argue that it wasn't gambling <laughs> because I did a ton there. of due diligence. So I do take risks. I take massive risks, but I do that because I'm calculated and I do my research and I do my due diligence. And so I love talking about this because I think it totally, I'm passionate about it. I know it works. I think it's revolutioning, revolutionizing how you can invest in real estate. And so what I did was, you know, I'm a numbers guy. My background's in finance accounting. And there was a gentleman on my podcast named Neil Bauer that some of your audience might be familiar with. He takes a yeah. very analytical approach to real estate. He's a data scientist. 
Yeah. When he taught his me mind about how, blows me away, by the way. Yeah, he's very smart. Very smart. I loved how he approaches real estate with data. And so I studied him and basically I created these six or I took what he taught me and I, I took those six demographic points. I analyzed 7,000 cities across the US, across each six demographic data points. I ranked them from one to 7,000. And then I looked at all of them and picked probably 10 to 15 of them that had the best results, but also had inventory and a lot of real estate professionals that I could tap into to invest. And then basically my business partner, Ryan and I started to make offers across 10 or 15 different cities. And we said, once one of them hit, we would then focus on that city as long as it continued to do well. And just so happens, we ended up getting one in this market in Texas, a little over 2000 miles away from where we are in New Hampshire. And uh, yeah, we've been doing really well down there. Awesome. That is incredible. Do you still own that property today? I do. It's working out like you had hoped it would? Very well. Better than I expected. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so is it one of those things where you've, you've found one property in one market? Do you just keep buying properties in that market? Exactly. So awesome. my business partner, he's the extrovert, I'd like to say of our pair, I'm more introverted. And, you know, he's always out, Oh, let's go to this market. Let's go to that market. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm like, No, we're doing really well here. We have a great system in place. We have great processes. We, yeah. we don't have a shortage of deal flow. Why would we leave? And yeah. so yeah, we just we just brought we have we made offers on four, we went into negotiation on four, we ended up clo uh, closing out, we're closing on two of the four, just the last two weeks. And uh, so we're continuing to add, they're all within two zip codes in that same city. And is this single family? Is it multifamily? Family. What, yep. what is it? Single family. Single family. Okay. So I know forecasting has part of your resume as well, right? In all this research you're doing, where do you think the single family, mar single family housing market? Uh, and I know we don't like to talk about nationally, right? Because real estate is local, right? It, it is different from the county I'm in versus the county next to us. Uh, same for you, but where do you think the, the single family housing market is headed with everything that's happened in the last, you know, year, uh, 12 to 18 months leading up to, you know, forbearance issues, foreclosures, not being able to happen, evictions, not being able to happen. What, what's your forecasting model saying about the future of single family? Hey guys, I want to take a break from the interview with Robert and give a shout out to Megan, Sarah, JJ, and Mark DePimp. That's funny, Mark DePimp. I hope you're pimping properties, my man. But a huge thank you to each and every one of you that left us a rating. That's the five stars and a review. That's the written comment on iTunes. Your ratings and a review encourage the iTunes algorithm to, to, to suggest our show to new listeners. And for that, I thank you. Um, I got a little distracted there. I hear my youngest out in the hallway throwing a ball and saying, go get it, doggy. But we don't have a dog. So I'm going to go check out that. Let let you get back to the interview here with Robert. Being the host of a, a podcast, I get this question a lot. And so generally speaking, I think we're going to see a massive influx of foreclosures and just people that can't pay their mortgage when this is eventually up. Now, yeah. locally, that might be different. And I mean, I'm still buying, right? I've been continuing yeah. to buy. I've made a ton <laughs> of offers. So that tells you how I'm thinking like about the situation. A lot of, you know, a lot of people hear these eviction moratoriums and stuff, and they get to realize that that's only for non-payment. You can still evict for other issues right. in a lot of places. So if they're breaking a lease in any other way, you can still try to evict. It's much more difficult and things like that, but it's possible. Uh, you just yeah. can't do it for non-payment. So 
I'm still buying. I think we will see a lot of foreclosures happen eventually, but I buy for cash flow. I'm not buying these speculative deals. I'm not buying flips really. I don't really I'm not really doing super risky stuff on that perspective that relies on, you know, values and things like that. Super high cash flow deals. And so I'm not I'm not really super worried about it myself. Awesome. What so what is your portfolio like right now? What do you what do you have? So right now I have a duplex in New England where I live. I house hack it. So I have I live okay. on one side, I rent the other. And then we have my business partner that I help him with. He also house hacks. So we have a unit at his as well. And then we have three three units in Texas right now. Okay. I'm losing track to be honest with you. Three or four, maybe five down yeah. there. We're buying a bunch right now. So, um, but three, four, five, something like that down there. It is. It it's easy to lose track. And when you talk to somebody who's not in, uh, been investing in a while, um, they don't get it. They're like, hey, I should know every deal, but I I actually have a whiteboard where I list mine out. So when people ask me, I can look up and I can talk about them. Otherwise, I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna forget about something. I, you know, so don't worry. I'm about almost it. glad it's, I forget because that exactly. means it's going smooth, right? I'm not exactly. having any headaches, so I don't have to worry about it. And I mean, ideally I'm, I'm building my business that way with processes that I don't have to worry about it. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad. Yeah. I, somebody asked me, um, I, I've got a property in Mobile, Alabama, and somebody at, was working on acquiring one and uh, asked me who I use as a property manager over there. Cause I was bragging on how great they do. And at the moment when they asked me, I was like, his name has completely slipped my mind. Like he sends me an email every month about, Hey, here's what's going on with the property. Here's the cash flow. He sends me the check, but I could not remember his name. And, and, uh, so I, you know, real quickly, I searched in my email and found it, but the next day I called him and I said, Hey, Marvin, I said, I just, I wanted to throw you a bone here, man, because this situation happened and you do such a good job that I forgot. <laughs> your name i said but i kind of feel like that's the way it is and and you know i was on this forum the other day where folks were talking about how their property managers are horrible and they're hard to find and a good one's hard to find all this and i was like i'm just sitting back and thinking you know i'm looking to add to my portfolio in this area because you're such a great property manager and i doubt you get a whole lot of phone calls like this so i just wanted to call and, and just tell you thank you uh, and thank you. And of course, after we hung up, uh, for the next couple of weeks, he sends me new leads of properties that he manages that the owners are looking to sell. Now, none of them have, have, uh, really stuck, right? The numbers aren't there, but, uh, it's, it's incredible how you can forget these very important partner pieces of our, our businesses, but they're designed that way, right? You want to be able to not really worry about it. Maybe, maybe just to suggest and put some checks and balances in place to make sure that the money flows where it should be, right, on a monthly basis. But yeah, for the most part, don't worry about remembering every piece of property that you uh, you own for sure. Um, the good thing is I'm the accountant, so I, I handle all the money. I know where there you go. Is going. So <laughs> there you go. All right, so let's talk about the Leonard letter a little bit. Because I, I know this is a little new for you. And I got to tell you, I, I got the first one out today or the first one I, I saw today. The subject of it really grabbed my attention. So I want to talk about not only the Leonard letter, what it is, but the, the meat of the email you sent out. Uh, the subject was how I got two, rent two rentals for free. Can you explain that just a little bit? How do you get two rentals for free? Yeah, absolutely. So Basically, this breaks down on two deals. And so 
I explained we bought that first deal about two years ago or so in Texas. It was a single family property. And then we just recently, we decided we wanted to try to burr our first property. And we went very, very light rehab. But basically what happened was the property, we bought it for about 72,000 or so, give or take. And we were able to negotiate the seller to include a brand new HVAC system. And then as part of our repairs, we're putting about $5,000 into the property. So entirely new windows and a little bit of siding. And so our agent listed all those improvements to the appraiser and the appraiser valued the property at 93,000 and we're buying it for 72 and we're only putting in five. And so at an 85% loan to value, we're able to get about 79,000 or so in a loan. And we're into this for 72 plus five for repairs, about 77 plus some closing costs or so we're into this for about 79,000. So we're getting that second deal for free for $0 out of pocket because of the little bit of rehab. Now, how we got two properties for free is because remember I said that was 85% loan to value. So we still have 15% equity in that second deal, which is just roughly say $15,000. We put about 14, $15,000 down on our first deal. So now we got that second property with $0 down. We kept about 14, $15,000 in equity. We put 14, $15,000 down on the last property. So that equity is covering what we put down on the other one. So we're essentially into these two very high cash flowing deals for $0 out of anybody's yeah. pocket. Yeah. It's uh, houses buying houses. Right. And that's when it gets fun. That is uh it's incredible. Um, it's funny. You, you, my next newsletter that's going to come out is called real estate is getting fun and uh, <laughs> it's already scheduled to go out, but yeah, that's, that's the title because we didn't even fund the repairs ourselves. We used the cash flow from our previous rentals. So literally wow. no money out of our pockets have come out at all. It's just yeah. purely the rentals. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. All right. So, um, where I want to go next with this conversation is one of the things that I've started doing here recently is I have the off the wall section, right? So these are questions that are completely off the wall. They may or may not be real estate related, uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. Although you kind of, you covered a lot of stuff with the, uh, with the whole dirt bike. I am still amazed by that. I'm going to write down, I want to find out how you do in your race in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to, I'm going to reach out. And as you know, if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget about it. <laughs> so I set a big goal. There's a, a race that's called the largest amateur motocross national in the world. And it's a three round qualifying process to make it just to the national. And so my yeah. goal this year is to uh, qualify for the national. So my first qualifier right. is April 17th. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. All right. So you've got that goal for racing, right? What are your real estate investing goals? What are you trying to do this year? I think I've already exceeded this year, to be honest with you. I just kind of <laughs> wanted to buy like another deal, really. I just wanted to buy one deal. Maybe, you know, two would be awesome, but really just one deal would be fine. Uh, we've already got two under contract. We've got another two we're negotiating on. We've got probably a bunch more in the pipeline. So yeah. that was really, I, I don't really have a ton of real estate goals, which is weird because I set a lot of goals. Like everybody asked me, what is your real estate goal? And I don't know, because when I first started, it was thousands and thousands of units. Like I wanted 10,000 units. I wanted to be the next Grant Cardone. And then it kind of just all changed for me. It's, that's not really what I want anymore. I'd rather own yeah. 10, 20, 30, maybe units that have just super high cash flow. I don't have to worry about anything. And 
that's that really. So my goals are changing a lot. I, I'm more worried about the cash flow than the vanity metric of how many units I own. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the same for me. And I do get asked that a lot too about hey, what's your goal this year for real estate. And I, I used to make the mistake of saying, well, I want to acquire, you know, X number of units. Right. And, but there's so many factors that go into that, that sometimes you, if you want to stick to your investing criteria, which my, my primary one is cash flow, then, you know, I can, I can only do what the market will allow. Right. And so I kind of shifted that to, well, if I'm going to make that kind of statement, let me make it on something that I can control, like the number of deals underwrite, the number of offers that I make, that sort of thing. So I've actually, for this year, um, I don't have <laughs> any real estate investing goals. Uh, it's just, I, and I don't know talking to you and there's another guy by the name of Chris Jackson that I follow. He, um, very analytical guys, you both just dive in. And I, I think that's the competitive edge that I've missed is I don't really enjoy the analytics uh, of it. I, I like the, uh, the low hanging fruit a little bit. So I kind of stay away from that. Like, so if I'm making a goal for real estate, since you got me to thinking here is figuring out a way to get more analytical about the markets that I want to be in. Right. Or, or partner or, with somebody or, that is my partner yeah, hates yeah. it too. So that's why I do yeah. it. And I don't well, like what he that's does. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because that I'm a very, that side of the brain kind of guy. I mean, I have a bachelor's in computer science, right. And I have a, a master's in business administration and I used to love crunching numbers. I used to love spreadsheets. I had a call, a consulting call today uh, with a lady who has advised me on some stuff. And I was like, all right, so how do you track this? You know? And she goes like, she goes, I got the spreadsheets, right? And her face lit up when she said spreadsheets. And I'm like, oh man, not another freaking spreadsheet. But it's so weird. I, I used to enjoy that. But anyway, uh, it's it's interesting. But you're correct. Uh, partner with somebody who who loves that. And that's definitely, got me to thinking, definitely something I need to do. All right, so off the wall, here we go. Three questions, uh, somewhat at random, right? They're all family friendly but uh, most of them don't have anything to do with real estate investing and then we'll wrap up. So, all right, question number one, if you could receive an unrestricted, unlimited grant to complete one project, what would that project uh, project be? A grant from the government. You don't have to pay it back. Does it have to be for the benefit of the greater public or just for my own personal use? For whatever you want it to be, yeah. I would probably just make a massive motocross facility. <laughs> that I could live at. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. If no, I'm being completely I love honest. it. I, I mean, that would serve, I feel like that would serve the greater good of the people who wanted to explore motocross, right? I, yeah, like I probably it. make, if, I, like I mean, it. if it's that big, I'd make it free. So people don't even have to pay, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have a ton of money it's, in motocross. It's unrestricted and unlimited. So yeah. free motocross. I, I like it. I like it. Just, yeah. Well, that's awesome. All right. So question number two, where do you lack discipline in your life? You seem like you have it all together, man. You've got everything going. You, you're very analytical, something I envy. And you know, you've, you've done very good with investing, whether it be stocks or real estate, but everybody has that one area where they lack discipline. What, what is it for you? Probably my phone. I, I tend to be addicted <laughs> to my cell phone and I, I hate it. And I just, for some reason, you, you're right. I like to think I'm pretty disciplined in a lot of aspects of life. Uh, pretty healthy, pretty fit guy, you know, everything else considered, 
but I just, for some reason, cannot put my phone down and, you know, it frustrates me and I try to work on it all the time. I'm very conscious of it, but for some reason, it just always sucks me back in. And I would say that that's probably my kryptonite, but I'm, I'm trying to, to get over it. What do you, what are you doing on your phone? Playing on social media or? I don't even know. That's the thing. I'll, <laughs> I'll use it for a couple hours and then I'll be like, what did I even just do? I just wasted all this time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's all these hacks that you can try, but nothing works, right? They're all these short-term things and yeah, it'll work for a couple of days, but then it always reverts back. And I need to find a way that I just cut it out altogether. And that's like an biggest. electric shock collar. Is that what you're, I mean, I'm getting to that to, point do we where need I, to would, go there? I would do that. Yeah. I mean, we're getting <laughs> close to that point where I'm getting so frustrated with myself that I need to, yeah, I need to do something. Well, eventually if, if you're getting that frustrated with yourself, eventually you're going to break, but it's one of those things too, where if you're doing business on your phone, that's one thing. But if you're, if you're, getting distracted from doing business or being there for your friends and family, then that's a whole nother thing. And I am, I am as guilty. I I've, you know, you've said there's tips and tricks. Um, my, my phone is in do not disturb mode from, um, pretty much nine o'clock at night to eight o'clock in the morning. So if anybody calls after that, you're going to have to be, uh, in my contacts list and you have to call twice, right. To make it go through Mine's the same way. And, yeah. And then, uh, if you're, if you're not programmed as a stored number in my phone, my phone does not even ring. Do you have that one? Yep. Okay. Mine's nine to 5 a.m. because I wake up really early, but yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I do too, but I, I don't want, I don't want to be distracted by that. Right. Maybe I should and then, do that. It, Yeah. And then um, what's the other thing I have is uh, I don't get any kind of buzz or alerts or anything like that that goes off when I get a text or, you know, I've, removed all the notifications from everybody I subscribe to on YouTube and all this stuff. I just, I, I don't care when I open my phone up, I'm pointing at it because it's sitting right here in front of me charging, right? Is that uh, when I open it up, there's, there's probably 2,700 notifications on this. There's a hundred emails that I haven't read here. And I, it just doesn't bother me. I, I've, I've enjoyed um, disconnecting. So if I can help you in any way, you give me a call. You let me know. I appreciate that. Yeah, I turned I'll off answer. the notifications too. And <laughs> so the problem is I start with using it for business. That's how I justify it. And I do what I need to do for business, but then yeah. it bleeds. I'm like, all right, I finished that. I'll just check this really quick. And then it bleeds into personal use and then <laughs> it's just black hole from there. You're not alone, man. Technology anonymous is going to be a, a great business when somebody creates it. So, <laughs> all right. Last question for off the wall what word or phrase do you say way too much? That's a hard question because we don't know what we say a lot, right? We'd have to ask our, yeah. <laughs> our parents or family or whoever we spend the most time with, I guess. Ah, man, I probably, pro I wouldn't say it's the most, but I say wicked a lot. I'm from Boston. I'm not from Boston, but I'm from Northeast. We say wicked. I guess that's probably, probably the funniest, most common thing I say. That is wicked. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Wicked. Awesome. Wicked. Awesome. Robert, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for your time today and going through this and, and just uh, allowing us to learn more about you and what you have going on. Uh, definitely want to point people to the Leonard letter to sign up. Uh, also just about your podcast. And I'm going to put links to all of that because uh, you've got a couple of podcasts going on, right? Yep. So I have two podcasts. One is called Real Estate 101 and one is called Millennial Investing. And they're both in the same feed. So you just have to subscribe in the Millennial Investing feed and you get them both. Very cool. Very cool. I need to take notes for what you're doing in the podcast world for sure. For sure. All right, Robert, how can people, what's the best way for people to get in touch if they want to reach out? So best way is the podcast, number one. Uh, number two would be the Leonard Leonard, as you mentioned. That's just a free newsletter that I send out. I'm shooting for three times a week. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's one but I'm shooting for three times a week. 
And you can subscribe to that by going to robertleonard.substack.com. And that is the best place to get in touch with me. You don't want to give people your cell phone number. So to justify you being on your cell phone all the time. Well, I'll get their emails when they subscribe to the <laughs> newsletter and then I can talk. I'll use my cell phone to connect that way. There you go. There you go. Robert, thank you very much, man. You have a great rest of your day. And I'm going to, I wrote down April 17th, you got your qualifying race. I'm going to reach out to you and figure out, find out how you did. I'm, I'm I appreciate that, that, Jay. That's Thanks so much for having me. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys and gals enjoyed this episode with Robert. Uh, just to keep you up to speed, my middle child was being the dog and my uh, youngest daughter was, I guess, being the owner. I don't know. They're playing a game of fetch. So where do we go from here? Well, here are some suggested next steps for you. If you ever have any questions, reach out to me, jay at w2capitalist.com, J-A-Y at w2capitalist.com. But recommended next steps, take a couple minutes to calculate just how much interest you spent on your mortgage, credit cards, tuitions, vacation, et cetera over the last five years and realize that interest is money you could have paid yourself with this bank on yourself method, right? To learn more about bank on yourself, connect with my agent, Mark at w2capitalist.com forward slash bank, w2capitalist.com forward slash B-A-N-K. Second step, connect with Robert. He primarily hangs out on Instagram. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. So connect with Robert at millennial investing and, and just amazing stuff. He's got going on with his podcast and everything over there. And once you connect with him on Instagram, go check out his, uh, what he's calling the Leonard letter. It's Robert It's a mouthful, but I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you to do that as well. Third thing. This is the last one. If you know someone who would benefit from hearing today's episode with Robert, share it with them. More so, if you're looking to test the waters with your friends and family, if they will support your REI admirations, send this to them. Tell them you want to be a real estate investor and then grab some popcorn and watch the comments come in, right? Once that happens, I want to encourage you to go over and apply to join us in the W2 Capitalist Mastermind where you're going to be surrounded by like-minded people to get the encouragement, motivation, advice you need to be successful at your real estate investing admirations, right? You can do so. You can apply to be a part of the mastermind at w2capitalist.com forward slash mastermind. And as I said, and I mentioned earlier at the very beginning of this show, I'm opening up five spots. So do that today. So you'll be able to be first in line uh, when that time comes. All right. You guys make it a great day and get out there and earn, invest, repeat.